0: Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the Notes, bin and News for Wednesday, December 15, 2021. Stand up for your country. So President Biden on a road trip to Kentucky, uh, which was hit by the devastating uh, tornadoes, uh, a terrible situation. And this is what a president should do. So all day he's going to be there. Um, speaking to the folks, more than a thousand homes destroyed, about four billion dollars in damage, 78 74 dead, Um, 100 people missing in the state. Oh, my God, it's just unbelievable. Uh, Also, Illinois, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Missouri got hit, too, but not like Kentucky. So we are uh, happy that the president uh, is going there and uh, the federal government is going to help the state of Kentucky. The only problem I have is if Joe Biden turns this visit into a climate change agenda all right so as you may know and as we've been reporting uh, Mr. Biden wants trillions of dollars and I mean trillions to funnel into climate change programs Um, and you know look I want research and development I think all Americans would like cleaner energy but we don't want to destroy our economy uh, in the quest to get it. And it's not there yet. But uh, Mr. Biden is firmly convinced that he has to destroy the fossil fuel economy here. He's doing a good job of it, uh, and replace it with what I don't know, but he, uh, he wants trillions of dollars. So I'm going to, I'm watching the president. If he turns this into a climate change extravaganza there, uh, I'm not going to be pleased and we'll report on it tomorrow. I think that's fair. All right. So as uh, a new poll out, uh, it asked Democrats and Republicans who they want to run in 2024. Um, as far as Republicans are concerned, they want Donald Trump to run 69 percent. Would support Donald Trump taking another shot at the presidency. Democrats, just 60 percent. That's a low number. Would support Joe Biden uh, running for re-election, which Mr. Biden says he wants to do. Um, the Biden administration is in trouble. I mean, everybody knows that. And that's why you're seeing kind of a very slow emergence of Hillary Clinton, who says, well, you know, probably uh, Biden and Harris are not going to be able to get the nomination. So I'm going to be around. And uh, keep your eye on that. Um, The big story this week is the incredible inflation, which will doom the Democratic Party and Joe Biden next November. Um, And I don't see it reversing. Economists don't see it reversing. It might go down a little bit. I hope it does. Uh, but now it's at our fastest pace ever. We're hovering around, you know, 10 percent. Prices are up everywhere. If you go to a restaurant I did last night, new menu and a new menu, the prices are you know, significantly higher. Now, you don't have to go to restaurants, but you do have to eat and you go to the grocery store and the prices are everything are higher. OK, so this is a direct painful infliction of bad politics, bad policy. And people know it, okay. But apparently um, what the people know, the evening news doesn't know. This is an incredible situation. There's no doubt that inflation is the most important political story right now in the United States of America. Well, after the news broke yesterday that the inflation rate is rising faster than ever before in the history of the country, CBS, ABC, and NBC all ignored the story on their nightly news presentations. They ignored it. Nora O'Donnell, David Mule, Lester Holt couldn't couldn't summon up 30 seconds to tell you about it. It, It's just, I, I don't even have the words anymore. Because when you ignore the most important story of the week, you ignore it, then there's active corruption before your eyes. So they're covering for the Biden administration, the three most powerful networks in the world, ABC, NBC, and CBS, absolutely covering for president Biden. They don't want to report anything. They're blacking it out. Never seen it before in my lifetime, but you need to know what's happening, which is why you're here watching me on the No Spin News, listening to me, on WABC radio and watching me on the first TV. Okay, I mean, that's why you're here, because you know you're getting hosed by the others. All right, also uh, late last night, there was a vote on the debt ceiling. Okay, (laughs) this is another unbelievable story. So all the Democrats voted uh, to raise the debt ceiling to $2.5 trillion more, which brings it up to... 31 trillion dollars in debt for this country. It's unsustainable. Now we, what does that mean? That means that sooner or later the dollar is going to collapse. Nobody can predict when, but you cannot owe 31 trillion, can't pay it back. It's like $300,000 per American family. The democrats don't care. Now, one republican, one in the House, Adam Kissinger, who's, you know, he's not really a Republican from Illinois. He voted to raise the debt ceiling to $2.5 trillion. Okay, no Republican senators did, but uh, Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming um, was ill and couldn't vote. It wouldn't have mattered. It would have been a 50-50 tie, and then, of course, our pal Kamala Harris would have come in and broken the tie in favor of the Democrats in in the Senate. So this is now, we have a raised debt ceiling. Now, most congresspeople and senators have no blanking clue what this means. They're not versed in economics. They don't know what macroeconomics is. But there are a few and only a few who really know what, how sinister this is. The progressive Democrats want to collapse the U.S. dollar. They want to do it because that would cause a panic like in the Great Depression. And then the federal government would have to move in and control the private economy, which is what the progressive socialists want. It's a very simple equation. Now, I'm not accusing the entire Democratic Party of wanting that. I don't think Joe Biden knows anything about economics. All right? They just go blithely along, following whatever progressive stuff is out there. But there are some who absolutely want to crash the American economy and do away with the capitalistic system. They are there, and they are very pleased today. All right, the uh, Trump History Tour goes to Texas on a Saturday at the Toyota Center in Houston, Sunday at the American Airlines Center in Dallas. Now, I'm very, very much looking forward to going down to Texas. As Some of you know I uh, worked there for two years in Dallas at WFAA TV and WFAA radio. Um, And I learned an enormous amount about Texas, about me, about journalism. Now Texas right now is the most important state in the union as far as politics is concerned. All right, now let me make the case. And this is very important. Texas is the second largest state next to California. It has 38 electoral votes. There is a trend to go blue in Texas. It is primarily a conservative state, remains so, but there has been inroads made from the Democratic side, the liberal side. The press, generally speaking, in Texas is liberal. No newspaper, major newspaper, endorsed Donald Trump. They all endorsed Joe Biden, with the exception of Dallas Morning News, which didn't endorse anyone, okay? The press and the local news is left-wing in Texas, in San Antonio, in Houston, in Dallas, the three largest cities. Austin is very, very left-wing town. Okay. Now, because Texas is so vast, the folks who live outside of the big cities are conservative. And therefore, it remains a red state. But California, New York, and Illinois will never vote Republican on a national election, and that is 104 votes, electoral votes, those three states alone. If Texas were to go blue, that would be 142 electoral votes out of the 280 needed to be president. That would be in the Democrats' pocket. They wouldn't even have to campaign, okay? That would just skew our democracy right out, and it would be almost impossible for a Republican to win the presidency. If Texas flips blue, that's how important this state is. All right. And it's a battle zone um, for all kinds of things. Now, when I go down to Houston and Dallas, I'm going to change the Trump history format and open with the border, because that is, I think, the biggest story outside of inflation in Texas. It'll be very interesting to Have President Trump give us uh, a unique view on how he did secure the border and how tough it was to do that. So that's what we're going to open up with. So joining us now from Dallas is Dr. Matthew Wilson. He's the director of the Center for Faith and Learning at SMU, Southern Methodist University, and he teaches political science there as well. So we're pleased to have you. In my description of Texas, am I making any mistakes?
1: No, I think you're exactly right. Uh, I think Texas remains a state that leans right, leans Republican, uh, but not to the degree that it once did. And so it really is a linchpin for the future of American politics on the party balance in this country.
0: Now, what has driven it left?
1: There are a variety of things. Uh, Part of it is demographic change. So Texas is a majority-minority state. That is African-Americans, Asian-Americans, and Latinos together comprise a majority of the population of the state of Texas. So that demographic change has been an important factor. The other thing is that the uh, Democratic trend in the suburbs of Houston and uh, of of, uh, Dallas and of San Antonio uh, has has worked to the Democratic advantage as well. So you put those things together and that's what's made Texas more competitive in recent years.
0: Now, a lot of people are moving to Texas from California and other liberal states because Texas obviously doesn't have a state income tax and is much more business friendly. Those people bring their liberal sensibilities. Are you seeing that?
1: Uh, You know, people talk about that a lot, but the data actually suggests that that's not really the case, Uh, that actually people who have moved into Texas from other parts of the United States are a bit more Republican than the rest of the electorate. So uh, the Texas move towards a more competitive politics is really not primarily about people moving in from out of state, because some of them do bring conservative sensibilities because they have seen things in places like California that they really object to and don't want to see replicated in texas
0: okay so texas's political future lies in the hands of latinos and a recent poll said that they're pretty much evenly divided latinos are between the republican and democratic party 37 percent each uh, i noticed that in star county down on the border uh, that went for trump and i don't think it's ever been voted uh, republican before it's always been a democratic county but because of the chaos on the border Um, uh, people down in the border regions are getting more conservative or supporting Republicans in greater numbers. So do you believe that the Republicans have a chance to persuade Latino voters in Texas that their party is the one that Latinos should
2: support?
1: Absolutely. And this is really the story politically in Texas going forward. And I would argue it's one of the most important stories in American politics going forward, is what happens with Hispanic or Latino voters. Um, The whole story we've been hearing for two decades about the emerging Democratic majority rests on the assumption that Hispanics continue to vote two to one for Democrats. That did not happen in Texas in 2020. And Republicans don't think it's going to happen in Texas in 2022. They see significant inroads, particularly with the Tejano communities uh, along the border. And if Republicans can break even with Hispanic voters, that's game over for the Democrats. uh, Because Republicans are going to win the Anglo vote in Texas. So if they break even in Hispanic communities, then then that is a huge, huge asset to the GOP.
0: Now you have Beto O'Rourke challenging the incumbent governor of uh, Texas. Uh, That election is next November, I believe. Is that correct? That's right. Okay. How do you see that as it stands now?
1: I see Governor Abbott having a strong advantage in that race. Uh, You know, Beto O'Rourke gave Ted Cruz a bit of a scare in 2018. But things are different in 2022, they will be, than they were in 2018. It'll be a stronger Republican year nationally, by all indications, whereas 2018 was a pretty strong Democratic year nationally. Um, and some of the bloom is off the rose of Beto O'Rourke. Um, he was really kind of a phenomenon and a celebrity in 2018. People talked about Betomania on the campaign trail. Uh, but after his failed presidential bid, there's not quite the same level of excitement in the electorate about Beto O'Rourke. Plus, he's gonna be running against a very well-funded incumbent Republican governor in a year that should lean to a Republican advantage around the country, including Texas. I would be very surprised if he were able to unseat Governor Abbott.
0: Now, O'Rourke is a a fairly uh, far left guy, is he not?
1: Right, yeah, certainly to the left of the median Texas voter. I think that's safe to say.
0: All right, final question. When I worked down there uh, in Dallas, it was not a liberal media, generally speaking. Um, Now it is in Texas. How did that happen?
1: Well, I think it mirrors trends that we've seen around the country. That just disproportionately, by and large, and there are exceptions, but by and large, people who choose to go into the career of journalism lean to the left. And so, Texas media today just look a lot more like uh, national media around the country, where the the predominant political sentiment is pro-democratic and, and is on the left. And you know, people control that with professionalism to varying degrees some do a good yeah, job of right. that and of being neutral others don't
0: yeah um i don't know if it's it's bad in texas the media as it is in new york and california and but i suspect it is um we're not letting any press into uh you know they, if they want to come they can come they have to buy a ticket uh into the uh, history shows with donald trump because we know we're going to get ripped no matter what happens uh, and I expect that to happen in the Houston Chronicle, Dallas Morning News. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, uh, but I would be very shocked if we get a fair treatment down there. Last word.
1: I, I would say that the, the media have been uh, particularly critical of President Trump. They, they will continue to be largely critical in his post-presidency. But what I'll say about Texas and about Texas politics, is look next year at what happens with Hispanic voters in Texas. If Republicans do well among the Latino vote in Texas, that bodes well for the GOP, not only in this state, but around the country in the years to come. And Democrats see that erosion of Hispanic support as a five alarm fire, and they are very concerned about it, and it definitely bears
0: watching. I mean, inflation hurts working class people. There's no doubt about it. Hey, doctor, we really appreciate your expertise. You were a great guest. Thanks for helping us out.
1: Thanks for having me. Okay.
2: Hey, guys, it's Vivek Ramaswamy here, inviting you to listen to my podcast, Truth. We just relaunched it after the campaign, and we are already riding up the podcast charts. Here's why. I think that hard, in-depth conversations about the tough issues is the only way we're going to get this country back. And I promise you, you're going to cover terrain that you're not going to hear elsewhere.
0: So, um, as you know, uh, the tour has been lied about by the hate Trump media, which is 80 percent of it. Um, And I was invited on uh, News Nation, which is a new, relatively new um, cable uh, news network. And they are uh, pretty much a hard news straight up. They're not catering to any point of view. So I went on Dan Abrams' program last night. I've known Abrams for a long time. Um, And he had read all the dispatches that uh, the tour wasn't drawing a lot of people, which is just an absolute lie, uh, as we went over yesterday in great detail. So I thought I'd show you something uh, that happened last night. We have two different sound bites. I think they're both very interesting. Uh, Roll the first one, please. So the Sun Sentinel, sent a reporter to uh the arena where the florida panthers play the reporter didn't call me i am producing the show it's my production company she could have easily had the attendance and the gross the gross of that show was two million dollars about eleven thousand in the building so many people abrams that the secret service had to delay the show an hour because they couldn't get people through the doors, there were so many of them. Wait, Wait, now, Phil, how could it wait? Why, wait how why, could it have taken
3: secret service extra time to fill up an arena, right? If it's an arena that seats, I think it's up to 18,000. And you they had to do security it is, it is,
0: on everybody. Yeah, no. And they were they were overwhelmed by how the people came. And so there was a line sneaking out, and the reporter was actually there and saw it. But here's the bottom line on the show. Two million dollar gross on one show. What politician in the world could do that? Could Barack Obama do that? Only if he was playing keyboards for the Stones. No politician on earth could do a show that grosses two million dollars. And that was the story that these people who hate Trump, and they do, would not report. But it's fair to say you didn't sell out. We didn't sell out what? It was impossible to sell it out because of the way the arena was configured. So if you have an 18,000 seat arena, but 6,000 of those seats are out of the line of sight, you can't sell them. It's a big con. The gross is what is what matters on these shows. And nobody's going to gross seven million plus on four shows. No politician in the world. Why isn't that story being written? Okay, so the seats that you saw there. All right. That was taken before before the crowd actually got into the arena. That's how that's how dishonest this is. Now, Abrams didn't know that. That was just general B-roll that floated out from somebody. But um, I don't want to get too technical here. But if you've ever been to a uh, show that's not a musical show in an arena, the stage is up. You can't sell the tickets behind you (laughs) because they can't see you. Uh, Oh, what a con. Anyway, after that, and uh, Abrams was fair. Uh, I got my story out. We got into the controversy about Fox News and January 6th, roll the tape.
3: Bill, let me ask you about something in the news. Uh, What do you make of the text between the Fox News hosts um, and Mark Meadows that occurred on January 6th, where a lot of them were sort of imploring uh, him to do something uh, to get the president out there, to get him in the Oval Office, whatever the case may be, and then... As you know, the critics then say, well, they were they were begging him to do something on that day, January 6th. And then shortly thereafter, they're out there suggesting this was no big deal. What do you make of
0: it? Well, I don't know about the no big deal part. Um, I didn't see that. Uh, Maybe it happened, but I don't know. So uh, a number of Fox News hosts had Mark Meadows, who was the chief of staff to Trump, his direct email. And that's not a bad thing. If you're a journalist, as you know, Dan, uh, you want to have access to the most powerful people you can, and if they are nice enough to give you their email, I, that's a good thing. So when all hell broke loose in the Capitol, um, they apparently, some Fox News people, and I, I assume other people as well, um, were emailing Mr. Meadows saying, "Hey, what are you guys going to do? When are you going to do it? You got to get out there. This is a debacle. This is crazy." So it seems to me, I don't know whether it's over the journalistic line. I wouldn't have done it myself. I would have asked the question, say, are you guys going to make a statement? What are you going to do? Looks like things are out of control. I don't think I would have advocated. That's not what journalists do. I don't actually have a problem.
3: With the fox news hosts having reached out demanding the president do something i have a much bigger yeah, problem with them then like going on the air to me. and trying to minimize it that's my problem meaning
0: hey well, 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 good for you you'd have to show me that sound bite. you have to show me that you'd have to show me that sound bite before I'm you can turn on they minimize well, you anything
3: hey you, you can watch fox news almost any night in prime time and you will hear them in some way shape or form either bashing the January 6th commission, I which I Hannity think is a fair... Uh, the January 6th commission? I
0: never heard Hannity do that. I, yeah. No, well, I never heard I, Hannity um, I, I, you,
3: diminish it's, it's a fair question as to whether so, Hannity... Uh, but, but I will tell you that again and again, and it's true that Hannity has been much better about this than, for example, Tucker, um, Laura Ingram, and some others when it comes to January 6th. It's a fair defense of Hannity there. But my problem is less with the comments themselves and more with the comments later. You know, for example, what did you make of Tucker Carlson and his comments in his documentary about January 6th? I'm not gonna, I'm
0: not going to I'm not going to comment on that. I didn't see the documentary. I think that the Capitol riot was one of the most disgraceful displays in U.S. history. And everybody involved in that riot should pay a price. And I've said that from day one. Now, if people disagree, they have a right to disagree. But that's my posture. Okay, so now after that interview, the far left headline is O'Reilly slashes Fox News. O'Reilly attacks his former employer. (laughs) I'm sitting here going, I mean, it is just, and you can't do anything about it. Now, Abrams conducted a fair interview, all right? I don't watch enough Fox News to know who's diminishing the uh, January 6th riot. I don't know. I simply don't. And it's possible some people are over there. Now, the January 6th commission in the House is quite something else. That's designed solely to take Donald Trump off the board so he can't run again in 2024. That's the only reason that commission exists. And you know, we already knocked out the Trump instigated the Capitol riot by our questioning in Fort Lauderdale on Saturday when the president said, hey, I asked for the National Guard to be placed there on January 5th. That knocked that out. Now, now we're back to, well, he didn't, ask fast, didn't act fast enough, which I will ask him about in Houston and Dallas' this coming weekend. But the point of the matter is that it is very difficult for a person like me, all right, to get the truth out in any way, shape, or form. And even when I do, all right, tell you what I believe happened, they'll take what I said and twist it around that I'm, I'm attacking Fox News, which I didn't do. Why would I do that? I mean, there are people on every single network and cable news operation that I disagree with. All right. And is Fox News a different place now than it was when I was there? Yes, it is. And everybody knows that. But that's their business. They can do what they want to do over there. All right. My business is to tell the truth. Now, I was on a Hannity radio program today and he actually thanked me, Sean did, for sticking up. But it wasn't so much sticking up. I mean, I was on Hannity's radio program shortly after January sixth, and and I knew what he was saying. I mean, he condemned that riot like that, and subsequently, I I don't see all of his shows. I mean, I can't possibly do that, but I haven't I haven't heard him run down that, you know, say oh was it was so bad and and these people would justify. I haven't heard any of that from him, and and to his credit, Abrams. It, you know, stuck up. He, he said, yeah, well, OK, maybe I it into it. But see, you're never going to get the true story unless there are certain people like me you listen to. I will tell you the truth. All right. About the situation. But it is so far out of control now. I mean, I'm still going back to the big three networks on their nightly news didn't cover record breaking inflation. I just can't even wrap my mind around it. All right. um, There are 12 U.S. cities, all led by Democrats, which are breaking the annual homicide records. They are Philadelphia, Indianapolis, Columbus, Ohio, Louisville, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Albuquerque, Tucson, Portland, Oregon, Rochester, Toledo, Ohio, Austin, Texas, St. Paul, Minnesota. All of those cities are breaking the homicide records all of them are run by progressive leftists so maybe we see a trend here and i mean the violence in new york city is just through the roof it's crazy and uh san francisco and la and you know they, they go oh oh no crime stats aren't up i say crime stats aren't up because arrests are down because they're not even arresting people who go and hurt other people and steal cars. They don't even arrest them anymore for a variety of reasons. California, um, from March 20th to September 2021, let me be more specific. From March 2020, okay, last year, to September of this year, 2021, 38% drop in the number of new arrivals to California. Okay, so the state is not attracting, as it always has, new people coming there. It's losing more than twice as many people than it did before the pandemic because it's totally out of control. The Golden State is totally you cannot live there now with the pernicious taxes, with the vicious crime, with the crazy leftists running Sacramento. You move there, you're going to get hurt somehow. And that is the biggest state in the union. San Francisco is the worst for this. It's plummeted 45% in new arrivals. Okay. Now, I told you that the movies are done for a variety of reasons. The pandemic was, of course, the big stake through the heart. But before that, Hollywood, because of its progressive left view, generally speaking, had alienated 50 percent of the country. All right. So 50 percent of the country goes, you know, I don't like these people. I don't know. I don't like what they're doing. I don't like the woke stuff. I don't like anything about it. And then when COVID came and the movie theaters closed and now they're open. But, you know, so you got to wear a mask. So people aren't going to the movies. We reported yesterday that James Bond movie actually lost money. You can believe it. So now, a Steven Spielberg film, West Side Story, a remake, got glowing reviews because Steven Spielberg is loved in Hollywood, uber liberal guy, uber liberal. I mean, I know him. I don't think he's a bad guy. I've always had good conversations with him, especially when he made the Lincoln movie, and I think Saving Private Ryan's best war movie ever made. But anyway, West Side Story is a bomb. All right, it only grossed $11 million in its first weekend. and it got, you couldn't have get better reviews. You couldn't have gotten more marketing on it. And people are going, no, we're not going. And the kids aren't going to go to see West Side Story, by the way. This is an adult film. And the original uh, has been castigated because Natalie Wood was the lead, and they needed some star power in that movie back in the 60s. But she wasn't Puerto Rican. So, oh, you know, that movie's horrible. This is an all puerto rican and you know appropriate ethnicity caste but nobody's gone but you'd like to know stay in history december 15 1961 adolf eichmann found guilty and sentenced to death eichmann uh, the architect of the holocaust in europe that uh, resulted in six million jews being killed Uh, one of the most evil men ever to walk the earth Uh, He was tracked down in Argentina. I write about this in Killing the SS. If you really want to know about evil and you want to know about the Nazi regime, what they really did, because it really hasn't been taught in America, this is the book for you. Anyway, Eichmann was found guilty of crimes against humanity 60 years ago today, and then he was hung uh, near Tel Aviv on May 31st, 1962. I'm sure he's enjoying hell. All right, we got a good mail segment and a lively final thought. We'll be back in a moment. Everything is expensive these days. You know that the government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Let us go to the mail. On the message board, Victor is a concierge member. Let me just take time out to uh, say thank you to all of our concierge members. Um, That is the highest level of membership at BillOReilly.com. They have direct access to me, where privately they can send me emails, and I will try to help them, concierge members, if they need it, or answer any questions they might have. It's a great program, it's not expensive, You get tremendous discounts. You get your money back if you buy Christmas gifts from us on a concierge membership. Anyway, Victor says, O'Reilly, I disagree that the Biden administration does not know anything about economics or what to do about inflation. It's far worse in my view. Neither the president nor his advisors care about inflation or doing irreparable harm to the economy through the unprecedented giveaways of trillions of dollars. They care about transforming the United States into the United Socialist States of America. As I analyzed earlier in the program, Victor, some, some. I don't believe Biden is in that category. I just think he's blank and clueless, with all due respect. Uh, Debbie, the dollar tree is now the $1.25 tree. Everything in the store remarked at $1.25. Kenneth Callow, Peach Bottom, Pennsylvania. There have been several court decisions going against President Biden that he seems to be ignoring? What mechanism exists that would force the executive branch to obey the courts? Well, if you uh, defy a federal order, you can be charged with a felony. But I'd be careful here. President Biden isn't defying the orders, he's slow walking them, okay? he's not defying. But if you defy a federal court order, you charge with a felony. Francis Churchill, Lakeview, Oregon, Um, O'Reilly, are you concerned that the president's aides will take control of the FCC and revoke conservative radio and TV broadcasting licenses? Not at all, Francis. That will never happen. Couldn't happen. And, you know, this is another Internet thing. I understand all this stuff floats around, but it could never happen. Doug Thacker, Reed Field, the main. Bill has the media always been owned by big corporations who owned ABC, NBC, and CBS back in the days of Cronkite and Brinkley. Yes, big corporations always owned um, the national media. However, the philosophy was we don't need to make money on our news operations. We just need to break even. So when I was at CBS News as a correspondent and ABC News as a correspondent, yes, they wanted to make some money, but there wasn't the pressure that there is now to make billions of dollars and then We'll do it at all costs. We'll, we'll do anything to make the money. That did not exist. There was a firewall between the accountants at the networks and the news divisions. And that's the way it used to be. It is not any longer. Margaret Wilcox, Mesa, Arizona, Bill, you had me laughing with stories of stuff falling and dropping. Um, I was yelling yes as you asked if that ever happens to us. I'm a few days older than you. And I have to say this whole aging thing is not for the weak. Listen, I, I don't know what's going on half the time. So as I told you yesterday, I used to be able to carry a bunch of stuff. Now I, I, stuff just drops on the floor. And then when I order food, it just jumps out of the plate onto my, onto my shirt. The food just leaps. I don't know whether it's radioactive or whether <laughs> there's energy in the air. It's like, I mean, no matter what I eat, I can count on something getting on me. It's like i got to wear one of these big bibs or something. I I just don't know. I'm delirious half the time. (laughs) Ronald Gans, uh, Bradenton Beach, Florida. My wife, a close friend, and myself attended the history tour in Orlando, Florida. I wanted to congratulate you on an outstanding event you put together, O'Reilly. I thought your comment about how President Trump, a businessman with no political experience, defeated all the GOP candidates in the primaries and then... Hillary Clinton was great. That was the experience of my lifetime. Well, I'm glad, Ronald. I tell everybody, you go to these shows, you never forget it. You're never going to forget it. You're going to learn things and see things you will never see anywhere else. So I'm really glad that that happened. Okay, so Christmas store, uh, you know, I, the post office today says, hey, you know, we can't guarantee Christmas delivery after today. We can. BillOReilly.com Christmas store we will get it to you quick. Bang, bang, bang. All right. So we're waiting it. no No offs are waiting. We'll send them to wherever you want to send. OK. And I got I got the Christmas order in here. Uh, Merry Christmas, America. I got the mug that President Trump demanded a dozen of these. And of course, we gave it to him. Um, you know, the stand up for your country mug and a hat. We got unbelievable stuff and all my books killing the mob still selling 4000 copies a week. Can you believe it? It was out in May, and, and the mob is still chugging along. So go to the BillOReilly.com Christmas store. We will get you the stuff in time for Christmas, which is 10 days away. Word of the day when writing to BillOReilly.com, that's Bill at BillOReilly.com, Bill at BillOReilly.com. Do not be a varlet, V-A-R-L-E-T, terrific word. Back with a final thought on me and the media in a moment.
2: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by
3: law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: All right, here's the final thought of the day. Again, uh, Dan Ammons, stand-up guy, News Nation, new network. I was happy to be on it. I got a fair cut from them. Um, but, you know, the game now is to uh, black out, as we're seeing. News that might hurt the progressive left. Yes, the Biden administration is center, you know, for the networks. But the progressive left really controls the Internet and social media. These are the real uber leftists. I use that word uber too many times today. But these are the people that are really bent in destroying traditional America. So they fear me. Most of all, you know, I'm up there. They feared Limbaugh. Okay, they fear me. Uh, They fear some people on Fox News. And they will do anything, all right, to A, destroy, and B, blackout, blackout. Now, I don't go out seeking uh, other media opportunities. I'll do it if I think I'm gonna get a fair play. And again, Dan Abrams did that. So we were very pleased that he was a fair guy. I don't mind being challenged. Okay, but I knew as soon as I did that, that the far left would would take that and, and propagandize. And that's exactly what happened. But for you, the American citizen, the loyal, good, honest citizen, in order to prosper in this country, you need information. That is valid information. Look at how many people voted for Joe Biden because they didn't like Trump. I mean, that's the only reason Biden won. And because he won, look at the state of the country now. Look at it. It's terrible. Biden is the worst president in history for one year. He's worse than James Buchanan and Herbert Hoover. The worst. And the reason he got elected was because Trump was demonized. Now, Trump didn't help himself by being bombastic. He didn't. you got to be honest about it. He did not help himself. But the only reason Biden's sitting in the Oval Office today is because they lied about Trump. They lied about Russia. They lied and lied and lied and lied. And it is continuing. We will fight it here. And that's why we appreciate so much you watching. We'll see you tomorrow.